Jahannam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. And when we think about heat, we think especially about our brothers and sisters in faith and humanity in places where forest fires are raging. Has happened and is happening here in Canada, in Ontario, British Columbia, other provinces, also in Turkey, Algeria, and many other parts of the world. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make those fires cool as He made the fire cool for Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. Bardan wa salam. Cold and peaceful. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take away the harm that may be caused from these fires and that is being caused. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect our brothers and sisters and grant them peace and safety. Amin ya rabbal alameen. Now brothers and sisters, we find ourselves today on the fourth day of the new Islamic year. The new Islamic Hijri year, which is the year 1443. And one homework I'm going to give you for today, inshallah, for this week, is to research and find out what your Islamic birthday is. I'm sure you know your date of birth, it is on your driver's license, it is on your passport, it is on your health card, it is all over the place. But what is your Islamic birthday? This is something that many of us are not aware of, may not be aware of, or may not remember. So there's actually tools that you can use that will help you find the date. So if you put it in your month, day, and year of birth, they will tell you what the Islamic date was on that day. And this is something important for us to know, especially for children, right? When they're growing up and there are questions about when they reach the age uh, of maturity from an Islamic point of view and for other times when we need to know a person's age from an Islamic perspective, then it is important that we are able to calculate it as well. 1443 means that it has been 1,443 years since the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ and the believers from Makkah al-Mukarramah to Yathrib, which of course was renamed as Al-Madinah al-Munawwara, which led to the creation of the first Islamic society and the first home base for Islam. Until then, there was no home base for Islam. But in Medina, that was the first Islamic society, the first home base where Islam was able to grow from in the Ummah of the Prophet Now the new year, the Islamic new year begins with, with January, does it? Islamic new year starts with January? No, it doesn't start with January. The Islamic new year starts with the month of Muharram. Right? Muharram is the first month of the Islamic lunar calendar. And the Prophet first of all, the Muslims, the Prophet would determine the beginning of the year, how? By looking at the moon, because it's the lunar calendar. The lunar calendar goes through all the seasons. That's the beauty of the lunar calendar. Otherwise, perhaps some people would have been stuck fasting in August, in the summer. Some people would be stuck fasting in December, right? Or rather, some people may have been stuck fasting in the summer, while others were stuck fasting in the winter, because we know that in some parts of the world, right now, August, it's summer, but in other places, it is winter at this time, right, in the southern hemisphere. So, it is from the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that with the lunar calendar, that Ramadan goes through all the different seasons. 
So no one is disadvantaged. No part of the world is totally disadvantaged in terms of having to fast in the summer or having very long days and not having short days. So it is balanced out. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. So the Islamic lunar calendar goes through the year and it is based on the moon, of course. Goes through all the seasons. It is based on the, the moon. And the Prophet Wasallam and the Sahaba radiallahu anhum would begin the month by sighting the moon. And when the moon was sighted, the Prophet Wasallam would recite this dua, Allahumma ahillahu alayna bil yumni wal iman, wa salamati wal islam. And in some narrations, wa tawfiqi lima tuhibbu wa tarda, rabbi wa rabbuka Allah. That, O oh Allah, let this moon, meaning this month, pass over us with blessings, with iman, with safety, and the belief in Islam. O Allah, grant us the ability to act on the actions that you love and the actions that please you. O moon, my Lord, and your Lord is Allah. Rabbi wa Allah. Abdullah ibn Hisham radiallahu anhu reports that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum would learn the following dua for when the new month or the new year would begin. Allah, and it's very similar. Allahumma adkhilhu alayna bil amni wal iman wal salamati wal islam wa ridwanim min ar-rahman wa jiwarim min ash-shaytan. O Allah, bring this month or year upon us with security, with iman, safety, Islam, your pleasure and protection from shaytan. Now my brothers and sisters, it's very interesting to note that this was the practice that when the new year would come, the new year would come, would they have fireworks? No, there was no fireworks. Were they dancing? No, there was no dancing. Were there celebrations and greetings? No. But rather this was the method of welcoming the new year by making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what's notable, and by, by the way, that's not to say that in Islam we can't have fun. We can absolutely have fun. And the Prophet ﷺ and his companions would joke and they would have humor and they would have times when they would enjoy themselves and relax themselves. So that's not to say that everything has to be always dry and boring as Muslims. That's not the case. But when an important occasion comes, such as the beginning of a year, the main thing to do, and when celebrations happen, the main thing to do is remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because when we enter this new phase, we don't know what is coming next. We don't know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for us. So we use every opportunity to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we use every opportunity, every reminder, every opportunity that reminds us to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now what's interesting is what the dua is being made for. Because a lot of times you're like, okay, we don't know what to make dua for. We say make dua and we're like, okay, we don't know what to ask. So like, Ya Allah, you know, I want a really nice car. Or I want to go on this trip. Ya Allah, I want a lot of money. Or Allah, I want this video game. Or Allah, I want these clothes. Or I want to succeed in my test. I want to have a successful school year. Which is all fine. We should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of our needs. For all of our needs. It is said that the companions of the Prophet would make dua even for something as minor as, or seemingly minor as a shoelace. Right, so for all of our needs, we should make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so there's nothing wrong with making dua to Allah, 
for our worldly needs, and in fact, we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? But our attention in our dua should not only be focused on our worldly needs, not only on the things that we want in this dunya, but we should broaden the scope. So here, we learn some of the things that we should be making dua for. So first of all, blessings. Yum. Seeking blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this tells us that there is a thing, there is a thing about being blessed. A person who is blessed, a family that is blessed, a home that is blessed, is not the same as one who is not blessed. A person whose time, whose health, whose wealth is blessed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot be the same, or the person who is not blessed in these things cannot be the same as the one who is blessed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what is the means? What are the means of attracting the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So first of all, to obey and to value the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To try our best to follow the guidance of Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and see them as being valuable. And if we just try to, to follow to the best of our ability, automatically the teachings will bring barakah into our lives, will bring blessings into our lives. Because they are optimized, they are optimal, they are the most efficient. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes it and blesses people who follow His guidance and follow the way of His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Similarly, being grateful, doing shukr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and following the etiquettes that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has taught, something as simple as saying Bismillah before eating. Something as simple as saying Bismillah before eating. Saying Alhamdulillah after a morsel of food or a drink of water. Right? Leaving the home with the left foot, coming into the masjid with the right foot. You know, little things, little teachings. Right, but these are things that can help attract the mercy and the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Engaging in reflection, or rather engaging in charity, giving sadaqah regularly. MashaAllah, there are people who give charity daily, even if it's a few cents, even if it's a few dollars. They are constantly spending every day in spending to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these, my brothers and sisters, are some of the ways of attracting the blessings of Allah. The blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The other thing that is being asked for is iman. Allahumma atkhilhu alayna bil amni wal iman. Or bil yumni wal iman. So, how do we keep our iman alive? Our faith alive? So, a few things we can all do is to refresh our faith with the recitation of Quran, with the listening of Quran with reflection upon the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you're feeling like you need an iman rush, yes, you may listen to an inspirational lecture, which is great, which reminds you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But first and foremost, connect with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and reflect upon what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. Listen to some beautiful recitation of the Qur'an, particularly of a qari, of a reciter, who is weeping and is crying and is touched you know, the recitation of the words of Allah is touching his heart. And when you listen to it, hopefully it will do the same for you as well. The dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whenever we can, which is the easiest thing to do in terms of worship of Allah. And listening to good inspirational words that 
refresh our iman, which give us an iman rush, which make us feel something in our hearts. Then the dua was for safety, asking for safety. So avoiding dangers, the being careful. This is something from the practice of a believer. To be careful in terms of our conduct, to be careful in terms of the things that we engage ourselves in. It doesn't have to mean that we are afraid, but just being cautious, being careful, being aware of risks, and thinking about what we are doing before we get into something. This is a good thing. It doesn't mean we can avoid every single danger. It doesn't mean that you know nothing bad is going to ever happen to us. Things can happen, but in the way we, we, we behave and we deal with those around us and things around us, we take a cautious approach, especially when it comes to forbidden and discouraged things, the things which are forbidden, of course, we avoid because we know they will be harmful for us. Drugs are forbidden. It's going to be harmful for you. Smoking is prohibited. It's going to be harmful for you. Gambling is prohibited. It's going to be harmful for you. Eating haram, you may not realize what the harm is, but it is going to be harmful for you because it's haram. If it's haram, it means it's harmful. Right? So avoiding things which are prohibited and even those that are discouraged will help us attain safety. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for these things, but we have to make an effort as well. We make an effort and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We've heard the concept of tying your camel. So we take the steps, the reasonable measures and means, we are supposed to take those. And we place our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To take the means is not against tawakkul of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, it is a part of having proper tawakkul of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take the reasonable, permissible means and then to place your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the way that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has showed us. This is how the pious predecessors have showed us. And this is even how today our scholars are showing us. Those that are experienced scholars, those that are mature and are connected with their previous teachers, their mashayikh, their teachers, their, 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 their uh, mentors, they are not people who do not take the means. They take the means and they place their trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The dua is also made for Islam, right? Which means that we are submitters to the will and the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we are followers of His religion, of His guidance. And this requires, my brothers and sisters, constant mujahada. What does it require? Constant struggle to not slack off, to keep reminding yourself and keep connecting with the things that remind you of Islam, that remind you of submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that remind you to follow. It needs active effort. If we are going to be passive about our Islam, if we are going to be passive about our Islam, then it's going to start declining. Because it needs constant effort, because everything or many, most things around us are actually tempting us the other way. So we have to be constantly engaged in that struggle to obey the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to be submitters to the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And tawfiq, right? this is the one thing that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. But we need to have the desire. If we have the desire, we want to do good. We want to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we want Allah azza wa jal to be pleased with, with us. We have that desire, 
then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the execution easy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the execution easy. As the saying goes, where there is a will, there is a way. But if there is no will, it's going to be very difficult to find a way. So having that desire to do good, to be loved by Allah, to get better and to get closer and closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if we seriously have that desire, and we ask for a tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, Allah azza wa jal will make it easy for us. And finally, my brothers and sisters, protection from shaitan is also being asked for. So we have to be alert that shaitan will constantly be trying to draw us in. And when he draws us in, it means we get further away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So be alert for the traps of shaitan. Be alert for the traps of shaitan. Recite the ta'awudh. Say, A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. When you feel that you are being tempted, recite al-mu'awwidhatayn, surah al-falaq and surah al-nas, in the morning, in the evening. Ayat al-kursi, the last verses of surah al-baqarah. Be connected with the, the spiritual protection against shaitan because he will try everything to take us towards immorality, to take us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if he feels that he cannot do it at once, he will start peeling layers gradually, one after the other, after the other, so you don't realize, you don't notice that you're actually getting becoming more distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and falling into the trap of shaitan because he knows that if he comes directly, then you're going to say, no, you're going to say, Allah is shaitan rajim So he knows the ways, the tricks of trying to get to people. So be very careful of the traps of shaitan. My brothers and sisters, the month of Muharram is here. And this is the month in which the Prophet ﷺ encouraged a fasting. First of all, it's a sacred month. Sacred month, the blessings and the rewards are multiplied in this month as they are in the other three sacred months. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, uh, or the Prophet ﷺ has associated this month with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Shahrullah Muharram. Shahrullah Muharram. Right? Allah's month, Muharram. And this is to signify its sanctity and its importance, and it contains a very uh, blessed day, which is the 10th day of Muharram, the day of Ashura. It is the month to fast in. Fasting is highly recommended, encouraged in the month of Muharram. Um, and uh, the 10th day of Muharram is the day of Ashura, when fasting is uh, especially recommended. And the Prophet wasallam said that fasting on that day, uh, inshallah, will lead to, uh, will be a means of, yukaffiru sanat al-madiyah. That it will be a means of forgiveness of the sins of the previous year. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us forgiveness. It is the day when Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam and the Bani Israel were protected, uh, were saved from Fir'aun and his army. It is also happens to be the, the day when the grandson of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Sayyidina Hussein ibn Ali radiallahu anhumah was martyred, which was a great tragedy for this ummah. But severe mourning is something which is not permissible because the Prophet ﷺ said, he is not one of us who strikes his cheeks, rends his garments, or cries with the cry of the jahiliyyah. And finally, there is a narration from the Prophet ﷺ that man that one who generously spends on his family on the day of Ashura, Allah will increase his provision for the whole year. 
there is some discussion regarding the, this hadith in terms of a chain of narration. Um, Imam al-Bayhaqi has said that when all the chains of these narrations are gathered, they assume sufficient strength, and the four schools of jurisprudence have agreed that it is recommended. It's not, you know, obligatory, but it is recommended to provide generously for one's family according to one's capacity on the day of Ashura. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all much goodness and greater iman and health and peace and love and closeness to Him and for all of our brothers and sisters and all the inhabitants of the world. Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to cure all of our brothers and sisters who are ill, especially our elder sister who is dealing with uh, much weakness and illness, our brothers and sisters suffering from long-term pain and injuries, all of our relatives, loved ones who are who, and friends who are battling cancer and other serious terminal illnesses, all of those who are ill, who are at risk of becoming ill, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cure them all. Ya Rabbal Alameen, you are the protector, the healer. Ya Shafi, O oh Allah, grant them a speedy recovery and protect them from all illnesses and pain and suffering. Ya Rabbal Alameen, please grant relief to all of those who are in pain, in grief, in stress and anxiety. Ya Rabbal Alameen, please replace it with happiness and peace and joy.